Welcome to Open to Hope Radio with your host, mother-daughter team, Dr. Gloria and Dr. Heidi Horsley. This show is brought to you by the Open to Hope Foundation with the mission of helping people find hope after loss. This show has been edited for your convenience. Now, Open to Hope Radio. We're talking today about military loss and support. And our guests for this segment are Bonnie Carroll, Director of TAPS, the National Veterans Service Organization, providing resources to those affected by the death of a loved one serving in the armed forces. Ms. Carroll founded TAPS following the death of her husband, Brigadier General Tom Carroll, in an Army C-12 plane crash in 1992. Also joining us today is Amy Nyberger-Miller. Amy's brother, U.S. Army Specialist Christopher Nyberger, was killed in Iraq in 2007. Amy is the Communications and Public Affairs Officer for TAPS. Welcome to the show, Bonnie and Amy. Thank you so much. Thank you for having us. Thanks, Bonnie and Amy. For, uh, Bonnie and Amy. Yeah, right, and Amy for being on the show. Um, when we, when you uh, talk on the show, can you inter- you know say this is Amy or this is Bonnie until we get, kind of get the our audience gets a little used to your voice? Well, I wanted to start out with Bonnie. Um, could you talk a little bit about your husband Tom's death? And for our audience? Yes, my husband Tom uh, was the commanding general of the Alaska Army National Guard, and he was killed in 1992 in a, just a routine flight with seven other soldiers on board. It went down into the mountains of Alaska. And uh, it happened at a time when we certainly weren't expecting uh, something like this, but it uh, was a devastating loss for the organization and um, really had uh, all of us, uh, the eight families from that from that tragedy, looking for support that spoke to the military experience. And it was out of that that uh, TAPS was formed. Yes. Um, now, And you founded TAPS with the, uh, with the other eight family members, are you saying? Yes, exactly. And, and looking for a peer-based support program that addressed the issues that are unique to a loss in the armed forces. Now, you were in the service yourself, right? That's correct. Yes, Could you talk a little bit about your service? It's quite outstanding. Well, I've, I've been an Air Force uh, Reserve officer for 26 years, and at the time of my husband's death, was actually working in uh, programs related to critical incident stress management. So a little bit of background there. I was over in uh, Baghdad, Iraq, in 2003 and 2004 as a Department of the Army civilian um, serving with the uh, Coalition Provisional Authority. So you know, it's that background, I think, that's that's enabled us to put a program together that addresses these needs on many levels. Now, do you have children? They are, yep, they're all grown now, and that you uh, they had were to teenagers. Deal with the whole family issues with your husband's. Exactly. Yeah, right? Yes, they were teenagers at the time, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll, we'll get back to that a little bit for our audience. Um, well, I wanted to move to Amy. Could you tell us a little bit about your brother's death and uh, Christopher's death? Um, my brother was killed in August of 2007 uh, in Baghdad, Iraq. He was actually out on patrol on a Humvee that day. Uh, they were visiting local businesses to ensure that they could operate, and uh, he was killed by an improvised explosive device. Mm-hmm. I'm so sorry for b- both of your losses. Mm-hmm. Incredible. And it hasn't been that long for you, Amy, only a couple of years. Um, a little over a year. Oh, a little wow. over a year. And how did you get involved with TAPS? I actually heard about TAPS from the casualty assistance officer who was assigned to our family 
um, about a week after my brother was killed. And yeah, that's interesting. Let me just interrupt you, but the casualty, what did you call it again? The casualty assistance officer. Now, now did that come through you, Bonnie, from, was that in place before, or has TAPS brought that into place? Well, um, the casualty officers have been there in the military since there's been a military. They're the, uh, the soldier or the Marine who was assigned to the family to help them through those initial few days and to provide the honors do someone who has served and died in the military. What, what has, uh, really evolved is the partnership TAPS has with the casualty officers and with the armed forces. We're the handoff from, uh, from the military after the funeral. And so they're really, it kind of ended, uh, after that, before you started TAPS. That's exactly. interesting to me because I, uh, one of the things that I've seen, uh, my son was killed in an, an automobile accident in 1983 and Heidi's brother. And, you know, after it's over, it's over. The funeral's over. There's nobody, you know, that follows up. And I know hospitals now are trying to work more uh, on follow-up with families, but it's difficult. Well, Amy, what kind of things did TAPS come in for uh, to help you, your family with? Um, I actually called TAPS a couple of months after my brother's death um, because I was having uh, some challenges at, at getting back into my life. It was very clear that you know things in my life had changed, and I felt like I would... Uh, cope better if I could connect with another survivor, with somebody else who had had a similar experience, um, because the military loss does have some things about it that are very unique, and I think a lot of people empathize with us, but may not necessarily walk that road themselves. And so I called TAPS, and I was connected with another sister who, like me, had lost a younger brother and found someone there I could talk to. Uh, a peer support. How? What a great thing. Um, I could, either of you could take this um, question, what is different about a military loss and, than a regular loss? Do you want to, Bonnie, would you like to take that? Sure, absolutely. You know, those who serve in the military have really stepped out above the rest of our society in character, courage, honor, and ability to serve selflessly in the defense of freedom. They're at the, at the peak of their, their youth and vitality, and for them to be taken suddenly and unexpectedly is quite a shock. Um, today we know we have so many in harm's way, and it, there is that fear, but it is still unexpected. It's, in Amy's case, uh, you know, her brother had been deployed for a period, so the family hadn't seen him, and then to receive word that he is now not coming home ever is, is also a tough thing to, to really understand, and uh, many of our families don't reach that point until the rest of the unit comes home months later. There's a tremendous amount of honor given to those who serve and die. Yeah. You know, the, the headstones at Arlington, the monuments in Washington, D.C., the National Day of Remembrance we have on Memorial Day when all of America pauses to honor those who have served and died. You know, even the words we use gave one's life in service to one's country. It is. It really is a very, very different set of circumstances. And so for our families coming together just to relate and be in that same same journey and uh, speak in that same language is so healing. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I wanted to ask Amy, um, I know that she works with uh, families, I believe, uh, on the press side. What's difficult about these high-profile cases? I know Heidi works with 9-11 families from the fireman families, so she's aware of some of these issues too, but um, maybe Heidi, you and Amy will 
want to kind of discuss this one together on how, how, what's the difficulty with high-profile losses. Well, I think for many of our families, you know, at the very moment that they may be at their least ability to cope, when they've received news of a traumatic loss, uh, the media are contacting them right away. And they often do not have the advice of a public relations professional or someone who's dealt with that before who can help them. Um, they can and, say some pretty angry things, too. You know, they, or what, it's things that, yeah. I know when my son died, I could have said some things that I wouldn't even remember. I'm sure I did. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, people are, they're in a, they're in a place where, you know, they, they are a little stressed for being able to cope. Um, and so many of our families do carry, I think, uh, you know, that experience of the day after they were notified that their child died or their husband died, that the media pounce on them. Um, and so for many of them, that's a, that adds to that experience and it's part of that whole experience of the funeral of, the notification occurs, and now we have this happening as well as everything else. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's within that context. And so advising families on that is often very hard. Um, and we actually have, I actually wrote a guide for families uh, to try to help them and present the different choices and options that are available to them. Oh, what a great idea. How would people get a hold of the guide? Um, it's actually on a website on my uh, steppingstonellc.com website under resources, and it's just available there for anybody who wants to use it. Stepping Stones LLC. Okay, because I, I could think of with the Internet uh, of having some way to link in if you've had a high-profile death because uh, it was tough with the 9-11 families too, isn't it, Heidi? And yeah, well, I was going to add something, and, and I've been working with the same people for seven years, and I think now seven years later, what one of the initially definitely the media was one of the most difficult aspects. Now... And within the whole last seven years, it's been the constant reminders. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and you know, when a high-profile death and a, and a, a death that Im- impacts the entire country, which is definitely a military loss, 9/11, etc., it's it's a, a lot of people have you know feel that loss, and there's constant reminders everywhere you go in the media, you know, television, print, etc. And while those comfort those reminders can be very comforting, they can also be very overwhelming because you have no idea when you're going to see those reminders, when you could be at the store buying something and on the front page, as you both know, there's something about the military or 9-11, and it brings back a lot of memories. And sometimes we don't have control of when we're going to get those kind of reminders. You know, I just wanted to mention something unfortunate happened with uh, Amy and uh, getting ready for the show. We did an e-card for the show, and if you go on our um, our website, you'll see our e-cards for the shows, and we had a picture of... Some military people in a casket, and uh, Amy, do you, it was your brother's. It was actually brother. one of the photos from my brother's funeral, and uh, I mean, it wasn't that you all had deliberately sought that out. No, I mean, it's just, but I saw it, and I knew exactly what it was. How things can pop up for you, right? Yeah, very much so. And our families are, um, you know, featured in a lot of media, and so for them, that becomes something that they have to think through on their own how to cope with that. Does that mean they should watch less television? Uh, be careful about what internet sites they visit because it, you know, they're going to see images that remind them of things. Um, you know, those are all things that are, you know, affecting them. Right. Yeah. So it can be uh, difficult. And you know, now with the whole presidential race, which has just ended, I mean, the media, I mean, the the war and 9/11 and all these things were so much in the spotlight that it was almost hard to avoid, like you said, reminders unless you completely never. You lived in some kind of on some kind of island somewhere. I mean, they were everywhere around you. 
Well, like I was watching the presidential debate with my husband, and uh, both of the candidates talked about the fact that they were wearing KIA bracelets, which is very common among the families of the fallen. As a matter of fact, I'm wearing one right now. Um, and I think that was probably the first time mainstream America had heard of those in a long time. Mm-hmm. And so it would come up for you, yeah, the, the whole thing. That's is a wonderful national network of, of all those who have lost a loved one in the military. We've got over 25,000 family members actively involved in the programs that we offer, and uh, they connect through a variety of, of support mechanisms. You know, on our website, we've got chats and forums and listservs and ways that families can reach out and uh, 24 hours a day connect with others who are grieving a loss. We also have a lot of information on our site that's of general interest, tips on uh, coping with the holidays and uh, grieving a loss through suicide. TAPS also provides uh, local support resources for families. We arrange uh, direct counseling services, provide casework assistance, which is very important following a military loss and uh, also provide crisis intervention for families who are really struggling. Now, I wanted to ask you um, if you've had a family member in the, in the military, say I've had a daughter in the military, and but she is not uh, deployed and she's maybe even out of the military and she dies. Is there any connect with that or do you have to be actively involved? No, absolutely. You know, our... Our eligibility is wide open. We're not a government agency. We're a, we're a nonprofit, peer-based support program, so our doors are wide open to, to all those. The common denominator is a connection with the armed forces. And you also provide good grief camps, right? Yes, we sure do. We yeah, do I love one... that picture of those girl, little girls hugging each other at one of the camps. Oh, it's a wonderful program. For 15 years now, we've done a, a national good grief camp in Washington, D.C. over Memorial Day. And we do these programs now 24 times a year around the country in, in communities and at major military installations. Oh, how great. We'll definitely want to advertise that on our website. So that's a wonderful service. Uh, give everybody your website address so they can find it, even though you will be listed on ours for sure. Sure. It's just taps.org. Okay, taps.org. Great. Um, you know, it's the holiday season, and I know, Amy, we're going to have an article up on our site that you wrote about the holidays and giving tips. Wonderful, great article. Could you give us a couple of tips for the holidays for people to get through? Uh, take charge of your holiday season. Um, I think for a lot of people, the anticipation is worse than the actual holiday sometimes. Um, and plan out. Be very, very thoughtful and deliberate about how you're going to spend the holidays. Now, what about um, is TAPS officially going to do anything? Do you do you do any special connect? You said you have chats and things, right? We've actually started. We actually held a chat in November on dealing with grief over the holidays um, to kind of help a lot of our families kind of prepare and think about that. Um, we are also holding a brunch for surviving families at Arlington National Cemetery actually this weekend uh, while the Reefs Across America event is going on. Oh, my goodness, what a a great event. How many people do you think you'll have there? Do you have any idea? There will be a few hundred surviving family members at the cemetery that day, Mm -hmm. Um, and so we are basically providing a place that's indoors and out of the cold uh, with coffee and cocoa and some snacks for people to visit and mingle and uh, just build connections. That's great. What a wonderful thing. Well, Bonnie, do you have uh, one last thought for the holidays for folks? Oh, to take care of yourself and be kind to yourself. And uh, do incorporate, um, whether it's 
revisiting an old tradition or it's it's building in a new tradition. Just to allow yourself that time to remember your loved one and and honor them in uh, in the way that you find most comforting. I think a lot of people try to do things that they feel others expect of them. Oh, thank you so much for being on the show, both of you, and for the wonderful work you're doing. And um, we hope to make a big connection with you with uh, our foundation site and and be able to do some good in the world. And have a very merry Christmas. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You have been listening to Open to Hope Radio. You can sign up for our newsletter, Facebook, and Twitter on our homepage at opentohope.com.